The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Say what's up with people, Tyler. Hey, everyone. It's day 90-something of Rogers Watch. I honestly lost count, and I think I wrote down the day yesterday, but I, I just just what we're going to start with, even though this is draft talk. We sure are. Well, yeah. to be fair, it does impact the draft. Yes. But it's also like the biggest Packers star. I I see the click numbers. I know you guys want to hear and talk about Aaron Rodgers for some reason, or at least you guys are interested in it if you don't want to talk about it. Um, Very interesting stuff from uh, Charles Robinson, who we've mm-hmm. sourced on here before, talked about how basically what he's been hearing is what I had been hearing. Um, This is Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. Uh, I know everyone is, you know, Tuned in as as far as like the reporters go, right? Like NFL Network, seen Rappaport, Adam she- or uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter. Charles Robinson seems to be getting all the scoops on this Rogers stuff. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday morning, so for, we're recording today on Thursday, April thirteenth. That would have been yesterday. He went on um, ESPN Wisconsin, and he said the Packers basically had a better trade offer from the New York Jets at one point, but that the Jets have soured on that offer and have rescinded it and changed that offer since Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show and said that he was 90% retired, which is something that has not come up apparently when the Jets visited him in Malibu for like two days, when he talked to the Jets before that trip, all that stuff. This is a shit show. There's no way to describe this other than a shit show. I'm I'm convinced Woody Johnson doesn't follow football. If this is all of a sudden coming out because he watched his next soon to be quarterback on uh, an old punters YouTube show, and he's like, he said, "What? The 39 year old might retire soon." That's news ins- to me. It's insane. That's why I I wrote that piece after Robinson's first reporting. Um, that so basically, all right, let's set the table here. The offer, right, coming out of Malibu, before Aaron Rodgers goes on the McAfee show damn near a month ago. If it's not four weeks, it's three weeks, right? Um, the offer to the Green Bay Packers would have been a 2023 second-round pick. At that point, they only had one second-round pick, right? They've added one more now because of the Elijah Moore trade. Um, and then... They would have given an unconditional first-round pick in 2024. 
right? So that that's what we have right now, or that's what we had at the beginning. Now the offer on the table, apparently from uh, uh, Robinson's perspective, is a that that same second round pick, right? The twenty twenty four pick is a base second that would move to a third if like Rogers got hurt immediately, right? Um, and would uh, I think the term that that Robinson used was graduate to a first round pick if the Jets would do something like win a home playoff game, for example. Um, the Packers though would then have to give back a 2025 top 100 selection if Rodgers retired in 2024. That's why I wrote the article that was like, you know, uh, 2024 Rodgers isn't their, the Packers 2025 problem, right? And we got into all that stuff. This is a mess. Um, the fact that they were offered an unconditional first round pick makes a lot of these like Goot just like holding his water moves a lot smarter um, or, or contextualizes it a lot better, right? Like if you were given yeah. a pick that could be you know, the Broncos were what they were going to pick in the what the Seahawks are picking fourth overall now, right? Fifth. Because they have. Fifth, because they have the Broncos. Yeah, that's right. The Colts have four. Um, you have a pick that could be up to the fifth overall pick, right? If things go really wrong for the Jets this year, and you say, hey, wait, actually, we want all these conditionals built around it. And that doesn't really make sense to me because that 2024, the impact of 2024 doesn't have to deal with Rodgers' retirement at all, right? Like the conditional pick back, Okay, that makes sense. But to make that first round pick conditional now is tough. Plus the fact that like you think okay, winning a home playoff game, that doesn't sound like a ton on the surface, but that's really only happening if you win the division. They have the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins in the same they have two other contenders. Like yeah. Yes, the trade of Aaron Rodgers to the Jets makes the Jets a Super Bowl contender. There are also three other there are also two other contenders in that same division. Like they're not even gonna be even odds to win the AFC East, you know, after a Rodgers trade. So yeah. I I get why there hasn't been a trade made yet. Yeah. Uh Rogers is saying stuff supposedly about telling the Jets to like hold their ground or whatever. Like that's that's a weird little added point to this. Like I don't know, man. And then Schefter's saying a trade might get done till after the draft, which that one doesn't make sense to me. I feel like they want some kind of compensation right away if they're going to do this. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think you just go with the picks. Like, I, I don't think the 2023 second is really the issue. It's like the conditional first and all that stuff. And those picks are in the future anyway. So I don't know. Put more pressure on the Jets, I guess. I mean, the other thing too, we're in this problem because one, if you believe the timeline that everyone has stated, right? Goot said he was poking around with other teams. He said this at the owners' meeting. He was poking around with other teams before Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat because Rodgers was not responding to his texts and stuff like that. The team wasn't able to communicate with him, and he had to protect the team. Rodgers said on that McAfee appearance, right? that 
because he heard that he felt like he was going to retire. He goes into the retirement retreat or in the darkness retreat and then comes out, still hasn't said what changed, why he wants to play football, but now he wants to be a New York Jet. If Goot really is going to try to like hashtag protect the team, and according to Robinson, it's Woody Johnson who is, you know, dug in. So like, you're not going to change an owner's mind, right? Like if he's worried about potentially being last year's Denver Broncos, which by the way, what's the common link there? Oh, the offensive coordinator. Like th- that's such a weird, like, do they not trust hack? Like uh, so many questions about this, but if, if Woody Johnson has dug his heels in, if you're going to protect the team, you got to start looking for a different suitor. You can't just be communicating with one team. If you know you can get a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers and he wants to be a Jet, but they're not willing to give up an unconditional first-round pick, maybe you do do the stuff that, like, Fox Sports 1 reported, like, San Francisco 49ers out there waiting for with multiple third-round picks and a future first, unconditional first, for Rodgers if the Jets can't get this deal done. At some point, you got to give him a call. I've... I don't know if I've ever rooted harder for anything than for the Jets to make all these moves to accommodate Rodgers and then see him traded as elsewhere because the content alone would just be you like, what if the Patriots just decided we're going to swoop in for Aaron Rodgers because Mac Jones ain't it. And then he's playing in the division. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too, is like people are like, yeah, Rodgers gets to choose his death. Well, he doesn't get to choose his destination. He doesn't have a no trade clause. Does he want his career to end like this? Seems like the hey, Packers the Packers were more okay with him retiring than Rodgers was with retiring. It seems Well, think like. think about the wording on the McAfee where Rodgers said is like it is my intention to play for the Jets in 2023. Yes. That he a man who chooses his words very carefully. That doesn't say I am going to play for the Jets in 2023. You know, you know who wasn't putting any conditionals on those words though. Joey Douglas just coming out and say he's gonna be here i can't believe he did that also by the way one of my followers sent me a dm and was like i was at the event you can hear me yelling hashtag 13 for 12 uh, (laughs) while joe douglas was saying that and i went back and listened you can definitely hear if you find the joe douglas clip where he's talking about aaron Rodgers at uh wfan with you know boomer sizing and stuff like that um you can hear the 13 for 12 chant i think it's one dude but I respect it. Shout out to that guy. I mean, that guy is our champion. That is, uh, that's iconic. Uh, I don't know what else to say about the Rodgers thing. I mean, it's a standstill, and I don't think either side is going to move. So, genuinely, I, I think if if you're Goot, you got to start looking at other teams. And obviously, you can't, like, send Aaron Rodgers to the Houston Texans. He's not... He'll th- throw a stink about that, right? Um, but, like, Niners, Patriots, maybe. I mean, we'll see. The Jets' backup option, apparently, is Ryan Tannehill, which, okay, good luck <laughs> with that. Um, one weird thing that I've heard about the Jets in general, like, they might be a team that moves to Europe. What? Like, the NFL's – yeah, so, like, the NFL's talked about – um you know, European expansion and stuff like that. And they've said, you know, we're going to need like an entire division if, if we're going to do something like that. Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime in the near future, but like, what was, uh, this was brought up to me before. 
what was Woody Johnson was like? Yeah, he was the ambassador to the United Kingdom under Trump. Yep, that's right. So, like, I don't know. There's ties there. There's second fiddle in New York. Like, does being the London team, like, give you more value than being the second best team in New York? I don't know. We'll see how all this stuff plays out long term. But, yeah, I mean, this is maybe Woody Johnson's, like, last big swing at a quarterback, and he might be dragging his feet on it, so. I don't know, man. Freaking weird. Freaking weird it situation. Um, I want to talk about the draft in general right now. Just at the top of the draft, cool. top 10 picks, been doing a ton of work, just trying to understand, like, what the heck is going on, dude? I think Bryce Young is going number one. Um, you do? Yeah, I, th- I think the Carolina Panthers are actually in on him. Houston, <laughs> as far as I know. That, oh, I didn't want to. Oh, go ahead. That, that, um, Honestly, I've heard the buzz, and it honestly kind of shocks me. Like, I really like Bryce Young. I think he's a heck of a player. That frame's not sustainable in the NFL. I, and I, I make the argument usually with mobile quarterbacks. Like, you know, I don't think they get as injured as much as people think compared to, like, a non or a traditional quarterback. He's just too small. I don't know if his body's going to sustain it. And, like, when you have the number one pick and it's a new regime, that's an awful risk to bet on. And that really surprised me. The weird thing is, like, so Houston, I think the only quarterback that they would take it to would be Bryce Young also. Yeah. So now you get into that weird spot where it's like Houston, Arizona at one and three, like is someone going to jump the Colts who are apparently white knuckling right now and are like, oh my God, I hope a quarterback is going to be there at four. Um, does someone jump them from a quarterback? Because I don't think Arizona is going to take one, right? Obviously with the Kyle Murray stuff. Um, and then Houston, I think Houston, if, if this draft order stays right and Bryce Young goes one, I think Will Anderson goes two. And then Arizona at three, I think it's going to be Tyree Wilson, but I, I, I think Arizona is highly, highly, highly motivated to trade out. I, I think there's the potential of Houston to trade out, but I think they're also I, cool with taking Will Anderson there. I can actually share a little bit here. I will confirm that the mood around Indianapolis is very tense. Um, people are very worried about what kind of quarterback they get. The general consensus is Colts fans do not want Will Levis. Um, but from Which, what I've by heard, the way, like if Houston trades down, I think like Levis at like twelve is a real possibility. There's not that many teams on Levis. Like I talked yeah. to a guy who I really trust about this stuff. And he's like, there's like six actual teams that are in on Levis. And that's like, including like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and like the Los Angeles Rams in a trade up, like that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these teams aren't really considering Levis in the first round. So what, what I've heard on the, the Cardinals is that there's definitely been a lot of conversations between the Cardinals and the Colts just moving up one spot. Um, the overall vibe is that the Cardinal seed is an absolute win-win. They're going to get some additional resources and get like an ideal player at four. Uh, but the Cardinals like aren't playing football this year either. Yeah. Like look at their free agency list. It's all the guys that you sign like just to make roster limits in like Madden, right? And their quarterback <laughs> yeah. is there's no promise he's even going to play this season, yeah. right? Like no one is judging the Cardinals based off of what they do this year with a first-time general manager and head coach. Yeah. So uh, I know there's been reports of them, you know, listening to a ton of offers, but I do still think the most likely one is trading back one spot. Cause then they could definitely just keep trading back if they really wanted to. Yeah. 
And I think they'd be willing to add picks. Indy and Seattle, I think they would both like to add a quarterback. I don't know if they will. Um, Seattle's interesting, right? Because like they brought in Patrick Mahomes on a top 30 visit the year that he was going to get drafted. I've had sources who worked with the Seahawks tell me like, if Mahomes was there, we would have taken Mahomes. They didn't even really get that close because KC traded up, but like they wanted Mahomes. They were willing to do the the quarterback transition thing. Remember, Schneider comes from Green Bay, so like that's not anything new to him. I wouldn't be surprised if even though they just gave Geno that like what three year deal that's like actually like a two year deal, like they yeah. still take a quarterback and they, they end up bridging it and developing a guy. Six this is the first one that kind of surprised me, and I think it makes more sense after the Okuda trade. Um, you know, Detroit's needed a cornerback, right? Um, they fired their their DBs coach like midseason last year. They're apparently looking at um, Witherspoon from Illinois at six, and that kind that actually does kind of make sense to me because you know Witherspoon is like a a tougher cornerback than christian gonzalez right like christian gonzalez is very much like a cover corner so like you think dan campbell like yeah okay that makes sense i just hadn't considered witherspoon going that high he his movement skills combined with that aggressiveness i mean he's like the toughest corner i think i've watched in any class he's a psycho and i don't understand like it's the perfect fit for Dan Campbell. Like that is his dream cornerback. Yeah, I, I think that's a real chance. Um, outside of the top two, I was told by a guy who, uh, well, I'm not going to give any more information than that. Um, told by a guy I trust that like the one pick that he feels good about outside of the top two is with a spoon to to six. Yeah. Um, Raiders in Atlanta. I think that's where you see Christian Gonzalez go. One of those two mm-hmm. selections. Um, don't know which one it's going to be. I assume Raiders if the board falls a certain way. The other thing, so 8-9, Atlanta and Chicago, that's the range the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are apparently trying to get into. The Steelers badly need an offensive lineman. Um, they need a left tackle. I think it's like Dan Moore is going to be their starting left tackle as it stands today. I don't know um, who that is. <laughs> it's it's not good, dude. And this is where the tackle run starts, right? Yep. So you're looking at Chicago. They could be looking at a left tackle at nine. Uh, Tennessee needs a ton of help, right? So if they're not moving up for a quarterback, like if they're not going to be willing to give up all that, all those picks and stuff to move up to two or three, right? Um, they're probably going to sit pretty and end up taking a tackle at 11. The Jets would be looking at one at 13. Packers would be looking at one at 14. Patriots would be looking at one at 14. 15. Oh, sorry, at 15. Um, Patriots would be looking at 14. That's why the Steelers don't think that there's going to be one left at 17 and why they feel yeah. like they want to move up. Um, so that's just kind of the ven- general vibe of this draft at the top. I think it's going to be like those top, line of scrimmage guys or those top edge rushers, right? Uh, Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. And then the quarterbacks, who knows how that's going to fall, but I think they do go early. There's going to be like that mini cornerback run, right? Where it's like Witherspoon Gonzalez come off the board between six and eight. And then you're going to start seeing tackles fly off the board basically up until 
um, the Packers go on the clock. And by the way, Robinson said that, you know, a pick swap is potentially on the table. And that's something I had heard too. I uh, was told this past week, I think two days ago, that at least one team in the league internally, like when they're doing their mock drafts and stuff already has the Packers slated at 13. So. I, um, there's two players I think that also need to be mentioned before 15. Um, Jalen Carter, who I feel like we've talked about a ton and we have no idea where he's going to go. Uh, and then the second one, which I think we should start on. I do genuinely think the Atlanta Falcons think about B. John Robinson at eight. Yeah. So I think Atlanta definitely would consider it though. The one thing with Atlanta is like, they seem to be heavily in on trade conversations. So like, okay. If I, if I knew for a fact that Atlanta was picking at eight, like if six, seven is, uh, if six, seven is Witherspoon and Gonzalez, right. Gonzalez to the Raiders before Atlanta goes up and pick. I think there's a real chance it would be Bijan, but I don't know if the Steelers would say like, Hey, Let's trade up to eight right now. We can jump the Carolina or we can jump the Chicago Bears for Paris Johnson. We yeah. get our left tackle, send it in. Like that, like if, if we're gonna trade up anyway, we might as well get the number one tackle on our board. And we know Chicago's in the mix. Um as I, far as Jalen oh, go ahead. I just I we haven't gotten a lot of chances to talk about Bijan. Sorry, it's Bajan, which always just sounds weird every time I say it. Um I cannot emphasize enough how much I love that kid. He I love him. He's is like un- Reggie Bush to me. I described him as pre-ACL Edger and James. Like, he's awesome. Unreal contact balance is always going to pick up positive yards. His feel for angles just blows my mind. I Even if it's like, you know, I got to bounce this to the outside and I'm getting two-man corralled by two defenders, I still know the right angle to take where I can make one guy not touch me and the other guy I'm just going to shrug off with a stiff arm and I'm going to take off for 10 yards. Like, there's shit he does that of running back that young should not know how to do. And it's just, and along with the athletics, he's a special, special player. He's very fun. And he's so fun that I don't even want to entertain the like positional value discourse. Like, yep. I agree. I, I don't want to start any conversation w- about Robinson without just on the front end saying like, he's a very fun football player and it, he makes games fun to watch. Um, Jalen Carter. Okay. Yeah. The stuff is real about the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Carter. Um, from what I've been told, there's a reason why Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, has not allowed him to take visits with any team picking outside of the top 10. Philadelphia is picking at 10. Um, I've been told to believe that the Chicago Bears have him as the number one player on the board, so potentially he could go at nine. What's his A score? That's that's the real question. A score. If you guys haven't seen it, the uh, Chicago Bears basically made – res and posted a video about it and we made fun of him on twitter it got pulled by the way i don't know if you missed i that. saw they it's took restricted it down. now it's a private video they're scared to compete they're scared oh of gosh. getting memed um so yeah i i think jalen carter i mean maybe like the teams people always bring up right i don't think there's a lot of smoke around atlanta and i think that kind of makes sense because they already have grady jarrett there um playing yeah. the three the teams that people always talk about, um, he recently went on a visit with the Raiders, right? I don't know how serious they are about that. And by the way, like, are you really going to take a guy with speeding problems after the Henry Rugg stuff? Like, I don't. Oh, didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's, like, mm. I don't, I don't know. Because that's apparently the thing with Arizona. Because, I mean, they just got done with the general manager who 
you know, publicly had a DUI, right? Yeah. And that was a whole thing. So, like, that's why they're not considering him. Um, Dan Campbell and Pete Carroll picking at five and six. If you're talking about, like, just, like, locker room culture stuff, like, like guys who seem to, like, yeah. get players, right, and be able to, like, direct them in the right direction, I think that makes some sense. But I just don't know how interested they are. Like, everyone knows Chicago, Philadelphia. Like, they're still in on Jalen Carter. I I hope it's not Chicago or an organization like that that just has other problems to deal with. Because, you know, from a human standpoint, I'm rooting for him to get, like, an organization that's going to support him and help him because it sounds right. like he's just got some issues. And, um, yeah, just from a human standpoint, Seattle would make a lot of sense, and I think it would be a really good fit because he could not only play but, you know, have a coach like Pete Carroll to help him out. Um, I, it's it's such a sad it, – what bums me out about this is just we barely get to talk about the prospect anymore because on, on film he's just so, so dominant. Um, I'm just hoping it doesn't doesn't trend this way uh, for the rest of his career. Well, like the weird thing too, uh, how do I want to do this? Um, so he gained a bunch of weight between the combine and the pro day, right? Which made a lot of people think, and he had a pretty poor showing at his pro day. He only did the on-field drills, but like you watch the video, it's not great. Um, that made a lot of people think like mentally, maybe he's not uh, at a point where he's put the stuff behind him. But then you also hear stuff like multiple people have told me like Jalen Carter during training was still racing cars. That's wild, dude. Like, I, I don't know. Like he's a big old question. Like apparently racing cars is like his thing, but like, I don't know. Don't do it around civilians, dude. Seems like a bad idea. Like I, I think a lot of teams have a lot of question marks. Seems like Chicago and Philadelphia are still willing to roll the dice, though. I again, I hope his career ends up good. I'm not rooting against the kid. What happened just in general was tragic and really unfortunate. Hope this stuff doesn't continue moving forward. I hope at some point someone could kind of open his eyes to some of this stuff. So, yep. Um, as far as the tackle class goes, because we have, you know. I, I do think there's a real possibility the Packers end up taking one at 15. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm feeling more like that recently, especially like if they do the pick swap thing, right. And they move up to 13, you have to think that's for a tackle because that's when the tackle run is coming. So like yeah. the difference between who you're picking at 13 and 15, isn't going to be a big difference if it's not an offensive lineman. And by the way, I heard that, that it, that's like not the main part of the trade. Like that might be something that like, happens last minute like if it's a draft day trade of Aaron Rodgers like the options that Green Bay has on the table are like pick swapping from 15 to 13 or like just staying at 15 and getting like an extra fourth round pick at some point right like it's not a huge value or anything like that um but if they're moving up like they brought in uh Darnell Wright from Tennessee on a visit um very athletic tackle you know played right tackle and played left tackle for a little bit the Packers, I feel like that would be a signal that, like, they're just full-blown, like, we're building for the future type of move, right? Because Bakhtiari and Nyman are returning, but Nyman's on a one-year deal. And Bakhtiari has, like, a $40 million cap hit next season. So, like, I think there's a real possibility that, like, they potentially move on after this year. Also, by the way, 
Bakhtiari's on the Buzzing with the Boys podcast saying them, they, when talking about uh, the Green Bay Packers. So Saying they're going like, to suck a lot of – it was a weird – It was weird. weird. I've never seen an active player talk about the team he's under contract for like that without demanding a trade. Like, the Packers converted his base salary into a signing bonus. So, like, if they trade Bakhtiari – it's something like a two-year deal where the other team would pay like a total of like $22 million. And like maybe he restructures his contract and stuff like that if they post June 1 trade him. But like that's a hell of a steal for a left tackle. So I don't know what's going on there if like that's even on the table or what. But, you know, maybe if they take an offensive lineman, that's a possibility. Um, outside of Darnell Wright, the other top guys uh, in this class, again, Paris Johnson, I don't think he's going to be there. Um, no, if he is, State. if Paris Johnson's there when they pick and they don't, sp- they, they have to sprint that card in. Yeah. Um, I, I went back and watched him, uh, actually like earlier this week, uh, I've moved him into my top 10 grade players and I don't have a lot of those. Um, just his footwork, his foot speed blows my mind. Him, him going against, uh, Van Ness was a fun battle. Like yeah. you could definitely tell when he was going against Paris Johnson and when he was going against Daywan Jones, who, you know, might be late first or at least second round pick type of guy. Um, Peter Skaronsky. I don't think he's going to be on the board. Apparently the Patriots are willing to let him play like tackle before he moves into guard. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the rumor out there. Skaronsky was a guy, he has short arms. He's not the tallest tackle in the world. He's very athletic. Um, You know, grandfather was on those Lombardi championship teams and stuff like that. I don't think he's going to be on the board. The two I would circle for Green Bay around 13 and 15, Broderick Jones from Georgia, who I haven't seen, but I'm told is like the opposite of Darnell Wright and then Darnell Wright. Apparently Jones like needs some work. Um, It's a little rough around the edges, but his upside is like crazy high. I don't know. Maybe that's the selection. We'll see. I think Broderick Jones is probably the best run blocker of the tackles. I I guess I keep thinking of Scronzi as a guard, but. Broderick Jones is super strong. His pad level is great when he's making contact. Um, His hand usage is probably his biggest weakness right now. Like, I think his anchor is pretty good, but if he could actually avoid resetting his hands and like get proper hand placement when he's in his anchor, that's going to help him a lot. Um, He doesn't do well with counters. Whereas, like you said, he got polar opposites to the right. Right's hand usage is outrageous. He doesn't have like the athleticism or foot quickness. He reminds me with that snatch and trap. I think a Tyron Smith, like, again, not the same athlete, not the same footwork, but that snatch and trap he does, he just gets guys falling, and it's it's impressive. And, again, remember, Goot was at Tennessee's Pro Day. So they've been looking at Tennessee guys a lot. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they end up with two of, you know, Hyatt, him, and Hendon Hooker, hopefully not Hendon Hooker, but see how that ends up playing out. All right. The point of this podcast, now that we're done kind of setting the table for like the picks ahead of the Packers and touching on the Aaron Rodgers news, we want to talk about our guys. So we've gone yeah. through five position groups. We've gone to wide receivers, tight ends, defensive linemen, edge rushers, and safeties. And now we're going to pick two of our guys at each of these positions that we want to like oh, on draft. We each boards. get two or each get one? We each get two. We each Ooh. get two. I want to say good, two. Good, good, good. And we could double star a couple of them if you want. We'll see how that ends up going. Um, Usually on draft boards, right? Like 
you whittle it down to like 150 guys. And then from there you get like the scouts and coaches and stuff like that. in, and you like give them gold, gold, gold stars. And you like, put them on, put them on the little nameplate. Right. So we know who people are willing to like stand on the table for on draft day. So we can kind of have this conversation a little bit quicker when, you know, we're on the clock and stuff like that. So let's get into it. All right. My guys at wide receiver going A.T. Perry, Wake Forest. Love him. Love him even more after watching the Army stuff, after watching uh, Andre Carter, the defensive lineman or the edge rusher for Army this uh, last week. I watched him. You just ripping by guys downfield, just completely unfair playing playing him against uh, those those cadets. Um, freak athlete in terms of his his deep speed at that size. I think he is like MVS without the drop issues. Like I think he can do all the things MVS did at the NFL or at, with the Packers, but he's a little more polished coming in. Um, He's currently ranked 89th on the consensus draft board. I can't believe that he's not being talked about as like a second round pick at this point. Would love to get him around that range. So that's my first guy. All right. I'm I'm, I'm looking through my board. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Packers types. I want to account for that for my guys too. I want to try and mock this as if we're, you know, in the Packers war room. So I think it's pretty easy then for my first guy. Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. This man. Riser. Riser. Is, Peter Schrager special. We always talked about the, the Peter Schrager uh, kiss of death on draft day where you're like, he's going to go higher than people expect. And then that guy never ends up doing anything. Um, I think he said that like he could potentially be like a first round pick. Jonathan Mingo. Okay. Let's calm that. down. Let's calm down. He I've said that him. he's he's 94th on the consensus draft board, but that's what yeah. Schrager said. I mean, if, if they took him at 45, you know, that's fine by me. I mean, nine, nine, three RAS, almost six, two, two twenty. He's just really well built, um, body control, play speed. Some of his like deep routes, when you see him turn on the jets, he's just absolutely blowing by guys. Um, crazy good effort as a run blocker. Um, he doesn't sell, sell out a lot on backside of concepts, you know, when the ball's not going his way. Uh, I think Ole Miss's offense was bullshit. Uh, it's really hard to True watch sometimes. Facts. Yeah, like you can tell that he's far and away probably the most talented guy on that offense, and they just have no interest in consistently finding ways to feed him the ball, and it drove me nuts. So I don't think he scratched the surface on what he can do. And when you think of these like Shanahan tree offenses, like I think teams like the Packers, Niners, um, Rams, all these guys, like they're going to be extremely interested in this kid. So I do think. He could go way sooner than people think. First round's rich, but man, he is. You can see some of the plays where you're like, that is a wide receiver. So Mingo was a guy I watched in passing. I don't think I even graded him um, because I only really got glimpses of him when I was watching like the Alabama DBs and the Georgia guys and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he definitely showed flashes even just in passing. But, you know, to your point, like he wasn't getting fed like wasn't like he was having hundred yard games in those situations yeah. because they were just feeding him over and over again. Like a lot of that stuff, because it is such like spread RPO, like it's not the Tennessee stuff, but it's like as fake as the Tennessee stuff where like, yeah, you can just kind of like press him and then 
based off of alignment and stuff like that, the quarterback is just going to say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to throw to him. You know what I mean? Like total side note, Jackson dart kind of sucks too. So I don't think that did him any favors. He's terrible. And then, (laughs) so Jackson dart is the Ole Miss quarterback. It's such a good quarterback name too. That's the biggest tragedy. Yeah. I think that's probably, that's what sold lane on him. Um, Ole Miss just got Spencer Sanders, who used to be, I think he was like Mr. Football in Texas, um, was at Oklahoma State, got hurt a ton, just cannot stay healthy, even got hurt in high school, stuff like that, but is a pretty talented quarterback, hasn't really put it together at the college level, but has like the athleticism, the arm, all that stuff that you would want. And Ole Miss fans were like, why is Spencer Sanders coming in to to be the backup? And it just feels like, didn't we just see this with Jaden Daniels? LSU fans acted the same exact way with Jaden Daniels. And then we're like, why isn't, I don't even remember, Max something, uh, the LSU quarterback. And they're like, why Why isn't he, or like, he's going to be the starter. So why is J- Daniels coming in to be the backup? And then Daniels becomes a starter instantly. Like, I, I think Jackson Dart might end up going on the bench. I know there's a second transfer window coming up, I think at the end of April. Um, Dart may be a guy who ends up playing elsewhere next year. Why don't you go next, and then I'll go, and then I'll start whatever position group we do after this. How's that sound? Okay, sounds good. Uh, my other guy, I thought about this a lot. Um, kind of feel bad because again, I didn't grade out Mingo. I haven't gone back to Cedric Tillman, uh, twenty twenty one film when he was fully healthy. I still I need to do that. It's it sold me a little more on him, not as much as I was thinking from everything people were telling me. Right. I still got to check it out, but I think my second guy at the position is Rasheed Rice. Um, Just consistent all across the board. I think he should be available around uh, the Packers third round pick. Um, I mean, who knows if they trade with the 49ers, they might end up having three third round picks in this draft, which I know it's been memed to death that Goot can't pick in the third round, but Rasheed Rice would be a nice, you know, just a, a nice single. He's an all around guy. Can do a little bit of everything, has a nice build, is not slow by any means. He has a pretty good RAS, but it's not because of his deep speed or anything like that. It's just him as an overall athlete. Just th- thumbs up on him in a class that I don't I don't really love this wide receiver class in general. Yeah. It's you know what's funny is I, I remember last year's draft, they're like, you know what? After receiver prospects, because there's just gonna be a ton of them every year. And this is and then immediately it's just like, nope, just kidding. There's actually a pretty weak class this year. That's what I mean. Um, can you imagine finding a Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round this year? It wouldn't happen. In 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 this class, Dobbs might be like a borderline second round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is a guy like Two Ray going to fall to the seventh this year? I don't really think so. Like yeah. last year was the year to take three wide receivers, and the Packers did it to their credit. Yeah. Um, other guy, man, I'm I'm struggling with it. I. I really want to say Jaden Reed. I don't think he's a Packers type, which breaks my heart. Uh, so I'm just going to go with Dontavian Wicks. Uh, 6'1 and a half, 206, 7, 8, 9 Um It always gets brought up when you bring up his name, but the drops, uh, I don't think drops are a, a, you know, a consistent problem with wide receivers year over year. So I think it's okay to gloss over that. He's really advanced route runner. I think his deep ball tracking is great. He does a great job of, you know, catching over the shoulder, getting in good position on those deep throws, uh, good effort and play strength as a blocker. But yeah, it's just, it's hard to quantify it or write it down. But when you watch it, it's just the way he separates on his routes. 
It's all those little subtle movements, whether it is sinking his hips, manipulating with his head and shoulders. Um, he just does a lot of those little things really well. Uh, and I think he's you no know, day two, day early day three guy. Uh, it's someone that can be productive in this offense. So Wicks is another one I said I was going to watch, and I don't think I've gone back and seen him. Um, the Packers brought him in on a top 30 visit. So he's one of the 18 awesome. guys that they've uh, reportedly brought in so far. I want to bring up this point because um, we had this conversation in the APC Slack the other day. Paul was asking me about Virginia, like Virginia's offense and why they took such a big stumble and stuff like that. Tony Elliott was a first time head coach last year and beyond, um, you know, the shooting and stuff that was involved with Virginia and specifically that wide receiver group and stuff like that. I don't think Tony Elliott is a very good football coach in terms of the offensive side of the ball. If he came from Clemson, he was the offense coordinator there. And you're probably thinking to yourself, like, you know, Clemson offense, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, all that stuff. Like they're, they're pretty good there. What are you talking about? When Tony Elliott took the helm full time, that's when you started seeing Clemson slip up. Right. Um, I think Tony Elliott ended up missing a game completely. I think it was like the semifinal or something like that um, because of COVID and stuff like that. And like Clemson didn't lose a step. So I am not sold that that Elliott is it. Um, I, I think their quarterback Armstrong transferred out too, if I remember correctly. Um, might be a little tougher to get into Virginia grad school with the COVID years and stuff like that. I know that's been an issue for Stanford and Michigan and Notre Dame and, and squads like that. So maybe that's one reason he moved out. But um, connecting the dots, Virginia wasn't playing with a full deck of cards this past season, I would say. Yeah, that makes me that makes me feel a little better. Uh, what position are we moved into next, so I can quickly scramble and find a guy. Tight end, tight end. Okay. Um, let me go. Let me. Hmm. I know if I start with the late one, you're going to take the one we both have. Dar- I'm going to double star him. Yeah, I'm going to double star him. I don't care. I'm picking him. <laughs> Darnell Washington. We got to talk about him. Bang! Double star. That would have been my double- first pick too. <laughs> I was going to pick a late one just to have some fun with it, but it has to be Darnell Washington. We love this guy. I mean. His, I think we keep describing it. I think his floor is Mercedes Lewis or a sixth offensive lineman. And I genuinely think his ceiling is Rob Gronkowski. And it's that, it's that coach idiom or whatever it is, right? Like just because a player isn't asked to do something doesn't mean he can't do it. And he, he was just constantly asked to block and he occasionally got to run routes. And when he did, he made some pretty exceptional plays. Saw a one-handed catch, hurdled an Oregon guy. We're going to keep bringing that up because Justice is a huge Ducks fan. Um, he's just like, it, again, it's if LeBron James decided to play football instead of basketball and just physically dominated everyone. I'm step for step with you there. Yeah. The the other point, you know, Paul brought this up and I hadn't thought about it before. Like you look at yards per reception and not even just this past year, but like over his career, I think he's somewhere around like eight yards per reception over his career. That would have been like as high as, you know, any of these other top tight ends in the class. So it's not like he's just catching dump downs or stuff like that. It's just like he's not being thrown the ball a lot because Georgia, frankly, doesn't throw the ball a lot. Like, that's just not what they do. And on top of that, he has another first-round pick move tight end who he's playing with, and they're creating matchup nightmares. So, like, he's not even the player at the position who's getting fed the ball, but he's more of, like, the all-around tight end out of all of them. He can play in line, all that stuff. 
I'd be really excited if we got Darnell Washington. I don't think he's in play at 15. I think the Packers would probably have to trade back if they felt comfortable about bringing him in. Um, the other interesting thing, the Packers this week probably uh, apparently brought in Kincaid and uh, Michael Mayer. So two of the other top tight ends in the class. So yeah, that's pretty significant. I looked at the consensus draft board and and their visits, which by the way, you can find at Acme Packing Company. It's pinned uh, on our front page and all that stuff. Um, three of their four highest ranked uh, players that they brought in for official visits are tight ends. So yeah, I know there's a lot of people that are like, you know, positional value, all that stuff. But like, it seems like they're doing a lot of work there. And I'm not surprised because I think they did a lot of work last year and they didn't find value there. Right. Yeah. Like we, we were talking about like Jelani Woods, who, you know, from an athletic perspective uh, is pretty my child. To, uh, yeah. But, but like from an athletic perspective, right. Like he's pretty similar to like Darnell Washington and stuff and the Packers were in on him and just weren't able to grab him. And I don't know. I just wouldn't be surprised if like they traded down from 15, if like the tackle run goes a little bit early uh, or, or like more of them fly off the board than they expected, or if Darnell Washington's the second round pick, just yeah, don't be surprised, guys. Um, do you want to go again since I double starred Darnell Washington? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw you, uh, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. Okay, awesome. So I had two other guys on my list, and I was gonna go whichever one you didn't end up picking. I was hoping that you would pick one, one of the two. I love Schoonmaker. Yeah. Okay. Because this was one I think it, when we did the pod, I was like, "Hey, I watched this guy. I really encourage you to go back and watch him." Yeah. So and I'm glad I, I like I liked him too. I thought. Yeah. He is. I I know everyone like. If I say like he's my seventh ranked tight end, like that doesn't sound like I'm very yeah. high on the guy. Um, but you know, there's there's six guys who I think are going to go in the first two rounds, and then Shoemaker to me is right there in that like the bottom end of that group. And then there's a significant drop off from seven to eight. I think that's where I would draw that line. Really like him. Think he could play in line, all that stuff. I think he's a good enough athlete. Like I think he maybe not this year, but like he could be a starting tight end in this league. Yeah. Dude. I think, I think he could be in line or like play, you know, um, a little F as well. Like he's athletic. He, enough. It, hit, he, I mean, nine, seven, five rest. I mean, they're all freaks in this, in this class, but like, I love his effort as a blocker. Like he's not going to like pile drive guys, but he's going to stay in front of them. His feet are so good when he blocks that he's just going to stay in front of you. Uh, And then he moves really well as a route runner. And like, you know, I know there's some promise with McCarthy, but I wasn't always in love with that passing game at Michigan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you see him make some plays. And I think he has a versatile, intriguing skill set along with like, you know, the height, weight, speed. Um, Just a really interesting player that I think would be very, uh, in an offense that loves to use tight ends. So I'm I'm circling him. I'm keeping a close eye on where he ends up. And now I'm curious to see who your other guy is. Yeah, my, my other guy is Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. He's ranked okay. sixth on the consensus draft board in terms of tight ends. Um, <laughs> I would personally rank him third. So I would have Washington, Mayer, then Kraft. I think he's better than Kincaid, who I think is going to be the first tight end off the board. That's what I've been told to, be, told to believe yeah, by multiple blows my people. mind. I'm hoping he's not the pick at 15. Um, not because I'm rooting against the kid or I think he's bad. It's just I don't think there's a lot of value there. I think he's significantly better than Musgrave right now. I think Musgrave is a full-blown, like, we're swinging from the fences type of pick, right, in terms of athleticism and stuff like that. You're hoping he ends up being Jimmy Graham or something down the line. 
and then Sam Laporte is a better pass catcher, but I think Kraft is like an inline tight end who can also go out and pa- and catch the ball. Alabama was actively trying to add Tucker Kraft to their team this past year, and they weren't able to get him with NIL and stuff like that. He ended up just sticking it out at South Dakota State. Um, as far as true wise in this class at the top, it would be Washington, Mayor, Kraft, and then Schumacher for me. So it's not a surprise that I'm going with, you know, two inline tight ends. That's kind of what I'm thinking in general at the position, but like specifically for Green Bay right now when their tight end one is Josiah DeGuara, like that's not, he's not going to put his hand in the dirt. That's simply not yeah. what he's going to do. So can I, can I put a half star on a guy? Just like a honorable it. mention, Sam Laporta. I mean, yeah. he's not going to, he's not the same role, but like they're going to need more pass catching weapons. And 7,000 like how- yard receiver in high school. <laughs> insane dude his his route running for a tight end is so fun to watch and like i i don't know but can he be the big slot kind of lazard replacement if they if they don't want to you know spend premium assets early on on a tight end and a wide receiver you know do they swing on a couple other positions and they go well we need someone that's kind of both so let's just take laporta early and just spitballing there i want to so this is kind of going to bridge us into another position. Um, cool. Adibo, how do you say his name? Northwestern Edge. Adibowa Adibare. Adibare. Adibare, it's, it's B-A-W-O-R-E. And that that's throwing me off every single time because that's bar. And in my brain, that's Bawar or something. Yeah. Um, I was told the Packers are running on him, which is not surprising to me. The other guy <laughs> I was told, Jack Kuntz from Old Dominion, who we were not big fans out of. of. Um, he is like the most athletic tight end to ever enter the draft. He's a Penn State transfer, got hurt a bunch. Um, didn't think his film was great, but he is a tight end who the Packers are interested in. So I might as well pass over that news. I don't know what we want to do with that. I, For a guy that is that athletic and that big, not very aggressive at the catch point on contested catches and stuff. and. I, I I don't know. He runs fast. He he is a tight end. <laughs> Technically, on paper. Um, so Tucker Craft, I'm looking at the consensus draft board right now. Tucker Craft is ranked sixth at 69. Nice. And then ninth is Brenton Strange, 145th. So there's only two guys in that like third to fourth round range, right? At the tight end position, at least consensusly. It's Koontz and Schumacher. I would take Schumacher over Kuntz every yeah. single time, yeah. every single time, twice on Sundays. Um, let's move. I guess let's go to the edge position since we just talked about Adibare. Is that is that right? Adibare. There you go. Adi Adibare. My girlfriend's name is Adi. I should be able to nail this down easier. Um, ooh, tight end. I'm just going to go with the easy one, Lucas Van Ness. I like him. Okay. Um, okay. He's my third-ranked prospect at the edge position. I think he's more of a designated pass rusher. I don't know how the Packers are going to split hairs between him and the selection of Miles Murphy. Um, Miles Murphy is closer to like the edge, or the uh, like drop end edge setter Preston Smith replacement than Lucas Van Ness is. I don't know what you do with Van Ness and Rashawn Gary both being like designated pass rushers, but the Packers are also like brought in Will McDonald, who's like two hundred thirty pounds and. 
he's his job is only to like rush the passer and stuff like that. So um maybe they look at him. Maybe he's the pick at 15, uh, depending on you know what happens with the tackle situation. I I'd I'd like him a lot. Um I think he has a whole lot of potential. I think he's very green, but he seems to be trying hard and is very athletic. Yep. Uh that's pretty much dude, my exact evaluation on Van Ness. You know who I'm gonna take. You already know. It's Isaiah Foskey at another Dame. I, I would put Murphy. Um, I just think it's it's too boring. I think we might as well already circle him because he's a very realistic pick at 15. But I love the I love the four down player that can contribute on special teams, can stop the run, has some pass rushing juice. Um, is that Preston Smith role kind of guy that I'm way higher on, but like easy day two pick for me. You know, anywhere in the day two range, they take him. It feels like an absolute win. Um, and with how many the acquisitions and re-signings Rich Basaccia has been involved with this offseason, like that screams the edge prospect they take is the guy with a ton of special teams experience. You know what I was thinking about with Foskey too? And I was kind of trying to figure, because I was talking about Foskey and I was like, maybe he should be a guy who plays like linebacker because he's 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 a really good all-around football player. I just don't know if, if the edge bend is consistent and at his mm-hmm. size, I think it has to be. You know what would be really fun with Foskey? Like getting into looks where you have a guy like Foskey and Quay Walker mugging up like the center. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For example. And then, uh, you know, you have like Campbell playing like True Mike, right? And you could get like a one on one situation with like Kenny Clark and a tackle at oh that point. Right. Cause like, those are, those are, I mean, Foskey is a guy who will be able to drop into coverage. So like you yep. can play those games with him and Qu- like, he's, he's got to be close to like Quay in terms of like an athlete, right? Like just yeah. from like a height, weight, speed, you know, all, all the other measurables standpoint. So I do kind of like him as a chess piece more than like a true edge rusher for whatever that's worth. I mean, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's what I enjoy about him is that his skill set is so solid everywhere. Um, and that he can contribute. And he just seems like an unselfish player. He's like, I don't think he cares what role he's playing as long as he contributes. And he seems to always know what his job is. I talked to some people about him this past week too, and everyone just raves about the kid. Yeah. Like he was a really good. Like, he's the dude. I talked to him a bit off podium at the combine um, just because we actually had a mutual coach that had coached both of us, which is a very small world. Um, but, you know, super nice guy. Um, he seems like he'll be high character guy. I'm glad to hear that. I am so you said like a half star. I'm gonna go with like a third of a star on three different guys. I just could not pick one. Um, okay, I'm interested. Yeah, you'd go those three, and I'll then I'll because I need time to figure out my second. Okay. Um, BJ Ojolari. I good think one. he's just like a good all around guy. I think he his lateral quickness is really good to the point that like you could do a lot of stunts and stuff with him, and he can you know student to the a gap real quick and just like half man a guy rip and and get into the backfield like he's really good at that i kind of think other teams are going to like him more than the packers are the packers don't really end up stunting with their their uh edge rushers a whole lot like they just kind of let them play against the tackles and try to win on two-way goes when they get them um ojalari i think you know any team that plays like heavy man defense and they're just moving guys all across the board all the time constantly like i don't know I guess Miami has a new DC, but like what Miami used to do, I guess like Wink Martindale, right? Like what the Giants do. Like, I think he'd be a really good fit there. Um, 
My next guy, Will McDonald, the Packers brought in on a visit, Iowa State. Tyler doesn't like him any good, but uh, he was like a three-time first-team All-Big 12 pass rusher. He's 230 pounds. There are certainly issues with this game. I'm very aware of the issues with this game, <laughs> but like, I think he's going to get better when he's not playing that dumb four-eye stuff and playing on the inside of tackles, just getting his head caved in on down blocks that he's at a 100-pound disadvantage. It's so like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I think he like actually understands the pass rushing games. Like if you give him a two-way go, he's gonna win that. And that's something we're saying in this draft class. Um, the last guy, and I was kind of like trashing him at the beginning of like not trashing him, but like really Ohio State fans. Um at at the beginning of this process. Okay. Oh wow. Jack Harrison at Ohio yeah. State grew on me when I watched Good. Him. Yeah. Just like a very solid football player is good as an edge setter for his size. He's a good athlete. Um, kind of fits the Packers MO. Like I know McDonald was brought in on a visit, but like Harrison fits like what the Packers look at for edge rushers, which is like, you know, bigger guys who could still get after the passer um, more than the other two. I think um, would not be bummed if Zach Harrison was like the third round pick. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that you had warmed up on him because every time he got brought up, yeah, you really, really came down on Ohio State. I just got tired of Ohio State fans comparing him to Bosa's. Like that's disrespectful. He's not a Bosa. No. Um, All right, that gave me some time. I was thinking on it again. I was I was really close to leaning Miles Murphy again, um, but I think I'm going to go with Felix and DK Uzama. Um, I just I think about Rashawn Gary's going to be gone for a bit, even when he's back on those third and long, obvious passing situations. Preston's getting old. Do you really want him out there on pass rush? This kid is a pass rusher, like crazy bends, really good length, has has a bag already of like, you know, moves. But we talked about that, you know, inside out spin out into a sack, just some crazy shit like that. Um, Very fun overall player. And again, he's not perfect. I think there's some stuff he needs to clean up. Um, you know, balance is a little issue I saw a couple times. I don't think his snap timing is always great. But those flashes when you're watching and you just talked about it last time, you make audible noises watching. You feel like, oh, holy crap, stuff like that. Uh, had a handful of those in the Uyazama, and I think you harness that, and he's a, he's a special pass rusher. So two questions here. Mm-hmm. One, if they go edge rusher early, Preston's getting phased out, right? Pretty early. And maybe not this year, but like yeah. by by year two, he's either on roster bubble or he's getting replaced on significant snaps. Yeah, it's sad. I don't think you know, he gets a lot of cleanup sacks and stuff like that. But he's so valuable against the run, man. Like every time I watch film, he is just doing stuff. And he can really... legitimately drop into coverage and he's probably yeah. playing at like two seventy. Like that that's that's the rarest part of Preston's game. I think it, I think a lot of people think like for whatever reason people think like three four defense the outside linebackers are true pass rushers right because I I think they see linebacker and defensive end and they're like oh linebackers are lighter therefore they make their money rushing the passer the truth of the matter is you're only sending four most of the time yeah right so like one of those guys has to drop and often that has to be Preston Smith yeah I mean we literally at the high school level, right? You know, we have outside linebackers that play completely different roles. You know, we have a literal drop outside linebacker. Um, he, 
I don't think he gets, I know he's going to get old. And like you said, he's going to be a roster bubble at some point. Uh, I don't think Packers fans can say, you know, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves from like a casual fan. Cause I think he is pretty integral to their success in defense. Yeah. The other question I had, if they take an edge rusher, I think Jonathan Garvin snaps are done. Good. Like, <laughs> sorry, I, 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 sorry, I, like I don't think he makes the roster. The back, the Packers have never been a team that rosters a ton of edge rushers relative to everyone else. And, I just wrote a piece at APC this week that Tyler made fun of me for about uh, Osatia's snap counts and like the positions that are getting looks on special teams. Ed rushers are playing more on special teams because of like uh, them being involved on like kick block more and punt block more and stuff like that. Um, but they've never used a ton of those roster spots on edge rushers. If you're looking at like Preston Smith for Sean Gary they brought back Justin Hollins and they have Kingsley and Igbare plus a draft pick. That's five guys. Like yeah. what value does Jonathan Garvin bring to you as a, the sixth edge rusher? And that means he doesn't make the team like good. That guy shouldn't have been in the league the last two years. He's, he's not a good football player. It took Justin Hollins like one quarter of football to have more of a pass rush impact than yes. Garvin had his entire Hollins career. and Igbare passed him so fast. Yeah, so fast. I'm excited about Inagari year two. By the way, uh, I think there's some untapped potential there. I am too, which is why I'm not like everyone seems to think like Rashawn Gary going down is like the death of the Packers pass rush. Like they were no. fine down the stretch. Like Hollins and Enigbare are when you have NFL players in that three and four spot, you can survive with those guys playing snaps. Like it's okay. Yeah. I, I just very much love my edge depth, um, especially after watching the Jets. I know I like, you know, it's the Jets and they were a supremely flawed team. But when they were just kept trotting out pass rusher after pass rusher all year, I was very jealous of that. Dude, it was night and day compared to the season before when Carl Lawson went down and they just yeah. had no one. Yeah. Quarterbacks just patting the ball back there. Um it's going to defensive linemen. I'm going to go with Jervon Dexter, Florida. Whoa. I think he's the most underrated player in this class. Wow. In any position? Any position. Whoa. Any position. He's a guy, he's being, he's on the consensus draft board right now, 71st. Dude, after like 20, you could convince me like, dude, let's go with Dexter and be legends. And I'd be like, (laughs) absolutely. 6'6", runs a 4'8". That's absolutely insane. Yeah. Or that size as an interior defensive lineman. Um, I think he's only going to get better as a pro. He does a lot of four-point stance stuff at Florida, which, like, doesn't really help with your get-off. And he's not looking at the ball for the snap. And that was, like, one of the big things with, like, Daniel Hunter, right? Daniel Hunter ended up going in the fourth round, had a crazy combine, all that stuff. And then people look at his film, and they're like, well, his get-off's not great. It's like, yeah, well, he was in a four-point stance and he's doing tackle reads. Like he's he's waiting for the offensive lineman to move based off of the snap count. And then there's the reaction time between that. So he's like doing second, third reactions to the ball instead of immediate reactions to the ball. Once you get him into an NFL defense where he's not going to be asked to do any of that stuff, I think it's just like stonks up, right? Like line moves, line moves top and to the right. Like I think we might be looking back and being like Dexter outside of Jalen Carter might be like the best upside I think in this draft class on the interior defensive line. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of his his shortcomings are easily correctable. Things some as simple as lower your pads, and you're yeah. going to be a much more special player. Um, and he guy, did, dude, he bullies some of these guys, like yeah. SEC offensive linemen that are going to get drafted, like just demolishing those dudes. Yeah. I want, I want to like if I was doing the if I was drafting, I want to know exactly who's in on Dexter and who I need to jump up because I'm willing to pay whatever it is to get the first shot at the guy. I, I want to see your reaction if they end up taking him. I think that would be it would be inarticulate cheese noises. We'd have to bring that yes. meme back. Yes. <laughs> um my guys, I think this is pretty obvious to anyone that's been listening. Moro Ojomo out of Texas. Um, you know, just stuns people with his hands. He really forces the issue off the snap and immediately gets into the face of blockers. Um, he can get extended. I still, you know, the box score against Alabama shows that he basically did nothing. But his impact in that game, I thought, was tremendous. Um, I think it's a big reason that they were able to stay in that game. Um, you know, he, he can hold his own well enough against the run. My only concern is I think he's more of a gap holder than a penetrator um, because like, because of how his skill set is set up. But I, I do absolutely find value in it, and I think he'd be a really nice piece with the players they have on roster. Uh, also, redshirt senior, and he's 21 years old, which is just absolutely bananas. This next one was kind of tough for me because there's there like I like this interior defensive line class. It's fun. There's a bunch of di- it's a bunch of different flavors. It feels like it's better than it has been in recent years. Like mm-hmm. I like, I mean obviously Carter right. Like Mozzie Smith is strong as hell. Um, even like Kobe Turner, I was a fan of him when I watched him. Byron Young is like a very good uh, three four mm-hmm. defensive end that you can get in like probably fourth round range somewhere around there. My guy, though, is going to be Keanu Benton. I think if I had to make a decision on a defensive tackle, Jalen Carter's off the board or we don't consider him, whatever it may be, you're making me pick one and my job depends on it. It's going to be Keanu Benton. I I think he can play the one. I think he can play the three. Um, The fact that he could, like, just Kwan Short. Like, that's who he is. He's Kwan Short. And we're going to let Kwan Short go in the second round again for no good reason. That guy should be a first-round pick. Um, I hope he's available for the Packers in the second. Because if the Packers pick twice in the second, bringing in Benton would go such a long way on this defense. Which, yeah, right now, by the way, who, do you know who's I'm trying to think who's starting opposite of Devonte Wyatt at defensive end? Oh my gosh, I guess it's T.J. Slayton, but like they don't even like playing him there all the time. So it wouldn't. I'm trying to think. Is Tyler Lancaster still on the no, team? No, Lancaster's I have no not idea. The <laughs> no, it's like him or Chris Layton, the practice squad guy, or Jonathan Ford, the third string no stop player. I remember watching, I think it was Chris Layton against the 49ers in the preseason. Looked kind of good. Yeah. That's all I remember. I, thought he, I, I remember. thought he had a chance to make the team, but yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Benton. He's my other guy, but I do like other guys in this class. Like, this is a good defensive tackle class. Take two. Yeah. You need to take There's... two. Can I cheat here? Because I'm looking at some names and I don't love them. Can Before. I? Can... Adibari. Okay. Like, I keep thinking about him in that Dean Lowry role because, you know, he's not the most advanced pass rusher, but freaking A, man. Like, I just love the way he takes on blocks. Um, you're going to have a hard time moving him. He's so damn long. Um you know, I think he can bulk up more because he was playing kind of a more traditional, you know, it was a four, three D end. I think he can play five tech. 
I, I think it matches his skill set more than playing a traditional outside linebacker because I don't think he has a ton sure. of pass rush moves. He, so. does, he doesn't. <laughs> he could set a really good edge. I think he has really good hands. I think he's pretty strong for, for his size. But, yeah, he, do, he doesn't know what to do as a pass rusher right now. I yeah. Mean, he's super young. I mean, who says he can't put on 10 more pounds and then he's traditional 3-4 DN size? And yeah. Maybe you Give can move him, him around. Yeah, little chess piece action. And, uh, yeah, I don't care that I cheated there. Uh, I consider – I think he's kind of a D-line. Owner. You know what makes me sad, though, is if, if Tui Pelotu hadn't dropped all that weight at the combine, this would easily be his his calling card. But someone told him he needs to be an edge. And I get edge because edges get paid more, but he would have been an awesome D-end. Defensive linemen are making plenty of money. Um, That's true. But, yeah, that, that was definitely a weird one. Definitely a guy – I'm I'm circling on draft day just to see how like teams react to it. Um, I think he's one of the bigger question marks, not because of off field stuff or anything like that. Just like he completely changed his body type right before the combine. <laughs> like, what do you do with yeah. that? Um, last position that we're going to give out gold stars for safety. I'm oh, going to go no. Chris Smith. It's pretty Chris easy Smith one. is my number one. Um, you can double star that one. Okay. He's a freak athlete. I don't care what the RIS says. Like he's a great <laughs> athlete. He's explosive as hell. Amazing as a down a downhill guy. Yeah. I think he has the speed to be, you know, a top down safety, which is exactly what the Packers need right now. Um the Packers have a massive what safe. I mean, Adrian Amos is still out there. We'll see if he ends up coming back on a cheap deal. Kind of doubt it. Um, but he has taken a visit with like the Baltimore Ravens, for example. Like Chris Smith is a guy who's probably going to be available in like the third round because he's not the biggest and he didn't have a great combine, but he's my number one ranked safety in this class. Like I think Brian Branch is a slot. And then after that, this is how the consensus draft board has guys ranked. Number one is Brian Branch at 23. Number two is Antonio Johnson at 53. And then third is Jordan Battle at at 70. So we're talking about two safeties. One who's probably a nickel, right? Or might get converted to cornerback and, and, and branch being drafted in the first two rounds. Like, give me give me Chris Smith. I'll take him in the third every single time. We, we can talk about the technicalities of his play and all that stuff, right? But just vibes, I love his attitude on the field, man. Like, he's just so high energy. He's firing up his teammates. He's making you, letting you know when he makes a big play. Um, it, I feel like there's definitely some some like shit talking on the defense, but I don't know if there's a guy that's like this amped versus shit talking. I don't know if that makes sense. Am I making sense at all? You're making sense. Um, My next guy, I kind of debated this for a little bit because I do like Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame. I figured that would be your other guy. Yeah, I do like him. I like Jay Ward um, from LSU. I know you put me on him. I'm going to go Jordan Battle though. Um, Yeah. From Alabama, I just think he makes a lot of sense, especially at the top of the draft. He's another guy. He, he's bigger than Chris Smith. I would say less explosive. Doesn't have the same type of ball skills, but Dude, down that what was it against Ole Miss that easy yes. pick deep down the field, and he just he's playing post never... safety. He looked like he had never seen a football before, and he was unaware if it was going to hurt him. Like it was, he like fell over. It was so funny. Not great. Um, yeah, another Jackson dart throw. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think battle for Smith are the two safeties I'm circling like 10 times in this draft. And then Brandon Joseph and Jay Ward are the other guys I'm keeping an eye on. 
I'm starring Jay Ward. Um, yes, it's a I'm different happy. one, right? Because like I don't know if it's really the role that the Packers need, but he is such a versatile chess piece. I love his movement skills and coverage. Love the way he hits. Um, he is a little undersized for a guy that so like delivers so much punishment. But if you can play him all over the field, that helps. I think that's an asset. I think yeah. you can move him in and, different roles, especially because you don't know, you know, beyond 2023, like you don't know what you're going to need. And I think you can put him somewhere and find a fit elsewhere. If that, yeah. He's going to be a killer special teams player too. Oh yeah. Like early on. Um, when I looked at the Passaccia stats on special teams, safety was like the eighth played position under Drayton, like in terms of like how many guys are on the field per special team snap, it jumped all the way to first under Passaccia. And it was not uncommon for them to roster six safeties, right? Ward is a guy who, if you look at the PFF stats and they do a good job of like actually tracking, like where guys are lining up, basically an even split across the board, as many snaps as he's played in the box at high safety in the slot and at cornerback, like he can kind of do a little bit of everything. He's a good athlete. He's a little undersized, but like, yeah, he's ranked 193rd on the consensus draft board That's right now. Insultingly there's, low. There's no way. Like, I would take that guy like at the turn of like the third and fourth round, probably. Yeah. You get that guy, get him on special teams for a year, and then figure out where he needs to fill in on defense. Like, boom, you're done. You got value. And and from a roster construction standpoint, this offseason is so interesting at this position, right? Because all the guys are just like short-term leases. I don't think Savage is coming back. Yeah. So think it's enough where if they really don't value this cl- like draft class of safeties they can kind of just like hold on and wait till next year um but at the same time i still think they have enough flexibility to take a swing on someone i'm pretty sure their only safety under contract in 2024 is Tariq carpenter for reference <laughs> not a great spot to be in long term no. so yeah i mean i i think safety is certainly a position they could look at i know they um the only draftable safety that they that they brought in is uh, Jamie Robinson from Florida State, who I think is going to end up playing a nickel um, type of role at the NFL level. They also brought in Jordan Howden from Minnesota. I don't know if he's going to be drafted. He's kind of like athlete, special teams only type of guy. Um, we can we? It. Oh, go. Can we? Can we get one wild card? Our guy? Go for it. Go for it. No. Okay. I'll let you give you some time. Um, absolute wild one. Are you ready? Okay. Deuce Vaughn, baby, day three. Let's <laughs> Jeez. go. Jeez, Louise. I I can't tell you how impressed I am for a five foot five running back watching that guy. Um just unreal footwork vision. He's gonna be a threat in the passing game. They literally trusted him so much as a he would lead block for his quarterback on like sweeps and stuff. And he would lay guys out. And it it hurts my brain when I watch it. Um I just think a gadget player like that in this offense um, as the third running back behind Jones and Dylan just fits so well. And if he slides and he's there in the sixth or seventh, if he's somehow there in the seventh and Goot doesn't use one of his four seventh round pick freak out. I'm going to go with Stetson Bennett quarterback. Out of wow. Georgia. I, I think he's a better quarterback than people have him ranked. He is. He is. Apparently he is bombing interviews. <laughs> he's been, Terrible interviews this whole process. has not been taking training seriously. I think he's a better athlete than what he showed at the combine. Obviously got arrested and, like, tried to run away from the cops and stuff like that. Um, think that if you're going to do the Jordan Love stuff and you're going to start running, like, 
a little bit more option, a little bit more RPO, things like that. Like Stetson Bennett, I think had like ten rushing touchdowns this past. He year. can scoot. It makes you watch him, and you're he like, can he can fly. Yeah, he's be- he's a better athlete than when he showed at the combine. I just was, was told he is not taking it seriously, and that was by a person that has a relationship with his agent who's not very happy about his situation right now. I think there's a real chance that like, he's still available in the seventh round. And at that point, like, screw it, dude, we don't have like our backup quarterback is Danny Etling. And that's all we got on the practice. Like he's coming up from the practice squad. That's all we got on the roster other than Aaron Rodgers. So like Tara, Tara, Indiana's finest Danny Etling. Let's ride. Bring in Bennett at the worst. He can do like some read option stuff. If he has to end up playing and like at best, Thorn Love gets hurt a little bit down the line. I guess not at best, but like Bennett can show some things off the bench. Maybe you could trade him for like a fourth round pick in the future. Like get it done. That's a whole lot more appetizing to me than taking Hennett Hooker in the second round. So he's going fifth overall. Don't worry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe fourth, depending on how uh, hard the Colts uh, are. Don't you up. put that evil on me. <laughs> don't you put that evil on me, Justice Mosqueda. Uh, we did it. Gold stars. I'm excited. All right. Next week, what do we want to do? Go through the visits? The guys who we do visits visits and then finish with a little mock draft? Because that'll be one week till draft. Sounds good to me. That's a plan. Let's do a little little mock. We haven't done a single mock yet, have we? No. I don't think I've written mocks on the website, but I haven't done a pod mock before. Yeah. All right. I'm cool with that. Cool. And then I don't know what we do for draft week to prep, but we'll figure it out. We'll. That's the Aaron Rodgers trade pods. Yeah. <sighs> Hopefully. We'll see. Uh, go, Pat, go.